Welcome to the Grow Your Practice podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Chad Madden, owner of Madden Physical Therapy and Breakthrough. Join me each week as we dive into the best practices, systems, principles, tips, and tricks to help you grow your private practice. What's your strategy for boosting your profit margins? In the current industry landscape, margins are slim due to declining reimbursements and the rising cost of doing business. Breakthrough has just released a new course, Profitability Under Pressure. This 13-week masterclass focuses on five key areas in your practice that can help you increase your profits. We'll guide you through creating a financial plan, which is a step overlooked by many other practices. You'll also learn how to renegotiate insurance contracts, evaluate whether cutting ties with lower payers is beneficial, and how to add cash pay services to improve your lifetime patient value. By the end of this course, you'll have improved control over your profit margins and a clear roadmap for future growth. This program is exclusively for private practice owners. You must apply to be accepted. No hops or pops practices. Click the link below to get started. Here we're going to talk about secrets to getting your finances in order to survive and even thrive without the stress that you're currently going through right now. It's how to run your practice so everyone is paid, all of your staff is paid, including you. Uh, how to incentivize your staff to go above and beyond and have enough money allotted for both a financial reserve and marketing and still be profitable. So I've studied this a lot over time, uh, have read a lot on money and also management. And um, you know, you might have read my blog post where I talk about the three things that we don't learn in PT school. Uh, PT school that we really need to know if we're going to be successful private practice owners. And that's basically how to manage how to control people, how to control money, how to control uh, marketing. So it's managing people, managing money, managing um, your marketing. So here we're really going to talk about um, how to manage your, your workflow and finances so that you have plenty left over to, so that you can go out and innovate, that um, you can keep all your staff happy and paid and incentivized, and yet you're taking a pay and you're creating profitability so that you can be open for tomorrow. So um, out of everyone that I read, uh, the and I've read a lot, um, you know, the elephant in the room is, yep, I took Sterling, I took Measurable Solutions courses, I studied the L. Ron Hubbard stuff, um, and I went back and I just said, who did he learn from? Who did he look at uh, that preceded 1950s? Um, I, I think there's a pretty good indication that he may have studied Peter Drucker if he was looking and reading what, uh, was out there at the time. I don't have any evidence of this. I just know that their Peter Drucker preceded um, preceded that time period of management study uh, that you know is featured in uh, the Keys to Private Practice Success. And if I go back and I read Peter Peter Drucker, he says some really intelligent things that carried over. So uh, if you want a crash course in Peter Drucker, read The Essential Drucker, which is basically 60 years of this guy's writing. And this is the only thing that he did was study management and organizations. Uh, so go back and read that. And I, I think he's uh, um, began writing in the 1920s, 1930s, and that carried through. And I think he didn't pass away until like uh, 2005, uh, lived to be almost uh, 100 years old. So check him out. But uh, a couple of the quotes that I pulled out of The Essential Drucker, which are very... Uh, are, are appropriate for this talk um, and this module are, number one is uh, not to innovate 
is the single largest reason for the decline of existing organizations. And, you know, uh, I, I recently read a piece from another person who's sharing information in the private practice marketing sector, and they basically said, uh, you know, don't even bother asking for referrals from your past patients. And uh, it, it was really kind of positioning uh, what, what he's teaching against us uh, and what I'm sharing. And I can tell you this, if you give people a reason to share uh, and you've innovated your services uh, enough, but if you, you're giving pe people a reason to share and tell others about you, they're going to tell others about you. And, you know, a really quick and easy thing that uh, comes to mind, an example for this, is our exercise card system. Now, yep, that took uh, some money to develop for us, um, but it quickly separated us uh, now, having been so for the last several years, but it separates us from other physical therapy experiences that people have had in the past, where they're handed a sheet or they're not given any instruction at all. Every person that comes in for us gets a carabiner, plus they get um, a face card with uh, the therapist who's responsible for their care that has their personal contact information on, uh, has the therapist's personal contact information on, primarily uh, phone number and address, uh, email address, and then any exercises that are either uh, added to or taken away from that person's home exercise program, they can keep track of on their carabiner. It's full color, uh, it's written in simple instructions, but that is an innovation in the services and products that we provide at Madden Physical Therapy. But if I didn't have money to do that, and I didn't have time to do that and resources, uh, we wouldn't be innovating. And we, we uh, you know, it would be even more difficult for us to get a referral from somebody who's happy. And um, it, for it, it's harder to share if there's nothing unique about your physical therapy company. That's the take home point there. So uh, the next point is not to know how to manage is the single largest reason for the failure of new ventures. And uh, really quick story, um, we work with amazing private practice owners and we work with some people who are really struggling to make it through the next day where they're literally talking about, um, you know, when should I close my practice? Should I close it in, you know, uh, January or should I close it in February? Like that's their mentality. And, you know, if you uh, really quick, I know uh, Amy Flynn had a really nice uh, testimonial about that where she was in those shoes. Um, you know, we had one story recently where um, it, this was an owner, and they'll remain anonymous here, um, but uh, who was not seeing a, a large number of people a week. I believe it was like 10 or 12 visits who wanted to make a go of this who wrote me long emails and, you know, had an hour-long conversation about how she wanted to be our best student ever and how she would turn it around. But, um, you know, really the, the downfall is that she could not manage her own money, time, and resources of what she already had going on. And, you know, I think she made it like a month into, um, into the killer marketing program and was one of I, th I think we've now had three refunds. Um, so she was one of those refunds out of whatever it's been, 150 some odd owners. Um, so, but, it, you know, like she was telling me all the right things, was overly enthusiastic about everything that we're doing, but had a lot of trouble managing just herself. So how is she going to be expected to manage a group of 30 people or a payroll or anything like that? But that's another really important point that um, I'm just, stealing verbatim from Peter Drucker. 
the next thing is, what is management? And this is a long one, and I just want to read it to you verbatim. Um, the, so literally, this is from a, a spot in the Essential Drucker called What is Management? Its management is about human beings. Its task is to make people capable of joint performance, to make their strengths effectives, effective and their weaknesses irrelevant. This is what organization is all about, and it is the reason that management is the critical determining factor. These days, practically all of us work for a managed institution, large or small, business or non-business. We depend on management for our livelihoods, and our ability to contribute to society also depends as much on the management of the organization for which we work as it does on our own skills, dedication, and effort. Because management deals with the integration of people in a common venture, it is deeply embedded in culture. What managers do in West Germany, in the United Kingdom, in the United States, in Japan, or in Brazil is exactly the same. How they do it may be quite different. That's one of the basic challenges managers in a developing country face is to find and identify those parts of their own tradition, history, and culture that can be used as management building blocks. The difference between Japan's economic success and India's relative backwardness is largely, ex largely explained by the fact that Japanese managers were able to plant imported management concepts in their own cultural soil and make them grow. Uh, by the way, I will... I just want to stop here for a second while I'm reading uh, this excerpt. Uh, Peter Drucker is not necessarily politically correct, uh, but just read it for the, the management truth that he writes. Um, it, it's also not, uh, it, you know, much of what he wrote was 50, 60, 70 years ago. Every enterprise requires commitment to common goals and shared values. Without such commitment, there is no enterprise. There is only a mob. The enterprise must have simple, clear, and unifying objectives. The mission of the organization has to be clear enough and big enough to provide common vision. The goals that embody it have to be clear, public, and constantly reaffirmed. Management's first job is to think through, set, and exemplify those objectives, values, and goals. Management must also enable the enterprise and each of its members to grow and develop as needs and opportunities change. Every enterprise is a learning and teaching institution. Training and development must be built into it on all levels. Training and development that never stop. That's a key point and it goes back exactly to our inside circle call with Igor. Uh, every enterprise is composed of people with different skills and knowledge doing many different kinds of work. It must be built on communication and on individual responsibility. All members need to think through what they aim to accomplish and make sure that their associates know and understand that aim. All have to think through what they owe to others and make sure that others understand. All have to think through what they need, what they in turn need from others, and make sure that others know what is expected of them. Neither the quantity of output nor the bottom line is by itself an adequate measure of the performance of management and enterprise. Market standing, innovation, productivity, develop, development of people, quality, financial results, all are crucial to an organization's performance and to its survival. Nonprofit institutions, too, need measurements in a number of areas specific to their mission, just as a human, human being needs a diversity of measures to assess his or her health and performance. An organization needs a diversity of measures to assess its health and performance. Performance has to be built into the enterprise and its management. It has to be measured, or it 
least be judged, and it has to be continually improved. Finally, the single most important thing to remember about any enterprise is that results exist only on the outside. The result of a business is a satisfied customer. The result of a hospital is a healed patient. The result of a school is a student who has learned something and puts it to work 10 years later. Inside an enterprise, there are only costs. All right, so that was the quote on management that I wanted to give you. Sorry, I, I know I've never done that before. I read a long excerpt like that. You're going to get two more here in a second. Next point is profit is not the explanation, cause, or rationale of business behavior and business decisions, but rather the test of their validity. Very, very key. Um, the next quote, uh, which I, th I think is key as well to this pertinent to this conversation, it is not necessary for a business to grow bigger but it is necessary that it constantly grow better. And then the next thing that I want to read is to you is a piece here on objectives, which is very, very important. One, objectives must be derived from what our business is, what it will be, and what it should be. They are not abstractions. They are the action commitments through which the mission of a business is to be carried out, and the standards against which performance is to be measured. Objectives, in other words, represent the fundamental strategy of a business. Two, objectives must be operational. They must be capable of being converted into specific targets and specific assignments. They must be capable of becoming the basis as well as the motivation for work and achievement. Three, objectives must make possible concentration of resources and efforts. They must winnow out the fundamentals among the goals of a business so that the key resources of men, money, and physical facilities can be concentrated. They must therefore be selective rather than encompass everything. Four, there must be multiple objectives rather than a single objective. Much of today's lively discussion of management by objectives is concerned with the search for the one right objective. This search is not only likely to be as unproductive as the quest for the philosopher's stone, it does harm and misdirects. To manage a business is to balance a variety of needs and goals, and this requires multiple objectives. Five, objectives are needed in all areas on which the survival of the business depends. The specific targets, the goals in any area of objectives, depend on the strategy of the individual business. But the areas in which objectives are needed are the same for all businesses, for all businesses depend on the same factors for their survival. A business must first be able to create a customer. There is therefore need for a marketing objective. Businesses must be able to innovate or else their competitors will render them obsolete. There is need for an innovation objective. All businesses depend on the three factors of production of the economist, that is on human resources, capital resources, and physical resources. There must be objectives for their supply, their employment, and their development. The resources must be employed productively, and their productivity has to grow if the business is to survive. There is need, therefore, for productivity objectives. Businesses exist in society and community and, therefore, has to discharge social responsibilities, at least to the point where it takes responsibility for its impact upon the environment. Therefore, objectives in respect to the social dimensions of business are needed. Finally, there is a need for profit. Otherwise, none of the objectives can be obtained. They all require effort, that is, cost. 
and they can be financed only out of the profits of a business. They all entail risks. They all, therefore, require a profit to cover the risk of potential losses. Profit is not an objective, but it is a requirement that has to be objectively determined in respect to the individual business, its strategies, its needs, and its risks. He then goes on and uh, Drucker says that objectives, therefore, have to be set in these eight key areas. Marketing, two is innovation, three is human resources, four is financial resources, five, physical resources, six, productivity, seven, social responsibility, eight, profit requirements. Moving on, the only thing that differentiates one business from another in any given field is the quality of its management on all levels. The first management, I'm sorry, the first measurement of this crucial factor is productivity. That is the degree to which resources are utilized in their yield. And later on here, I'll be giving you, uh, we'll be going through an example of how you can think through maximizing the utilization of the resources that you have. Profit is a condition of survival. It is the cost of the future, the cost of staying in business. And I know we've talked a lot about uh, profitability, uh, transparency, and who gets to see what within your organization. And I know I shared with you just what we have done and what we have found over time, which is to be very transparent with our staff. Uh, but I, I think there's uh, one key paragraph in here in the Essential Drucker that I want to share with you, and it just goes to, uh, it, it addresses this very well, and I, there's no way that I could say this better myself. But managers, finally, through the rhetoric, make it impossible for the public to understand economic realities. This violates the requirement that managers, being leaders, not knowingly do harm. So this is particularly true of the United States, but also of Western Europe. For in the West, managers still talk constantly of the profit motive, and they still define their, the goal of their business as profit maximization. They do not stress the objective function of profit. So this is really, really key here. We're going to talk about more about this in a second. They do not talk, uh, they do not talk of risks, or very rarely. They do not stress the need for capital. They almost never even mention the cost of capital, let alone that a business has to produce enough profit to obtain the capital it needs at minimum cost. So a really, really key point. And one more note on profit. Um, very simply, it's defined, uh, at least the functional definition, is income minus your expenses. So if you're bringing in $100,000 in a month for your private practice and your expenses are eighty grand, you have a $20,000 profit, One hundred. Minus 80 is 20 grand in profit. Um, another key point is the risk reward. You know, most of us could probably go out and get a job at least uh, making six figures and, you know, being a manager in a large corporate PT or at the local hospital system. But there was, you know, if you think back to before you launched your private practice and what that is all about, uh, you know, there was a certain risk reward. You knew you could make significantly more money, have a bigger nest egg, a bigger 401k. Uh, more perks, more benefits, could be your own boss, could employ other people, have a larger stamp, uh, leave a bigger stamp on society and on your community as a private practice owner. But you took a risk. You took a $50,000 loan, $100,000 loan, whatever it may be, to open your private practice. So you could have lost that money. Um, 
So big reward, but there's an equivalent risk that comes with it. Um, if there's no profit motive in there, which is the rhetoric that he was referring to, it makes it very difficult to justify um, you know, the, that risk reward. That's not the only part of the equation, but just realize that it's there and that it is okay and it's actually a really good idea if you are profitable, especially because if you consider um, the quote below, which is profit is a condition of survival, it is the cost of the future, the cost of staying in business. And the other thing that I had already mentioned and alluded to is that manage the three big things that I see uh, that private practice owners struggle with and uh, that we don't learn or we don't study a lot are uh, the management in three key areas, the management of people, the management of money, and the management of our marketing. What's your strategy for boosting your profit margins? In the current industry landscape, margins are slim due to declining reimbursements and the rising cost of doing business. Breakthrough has just released a new course, Profitability Under Pressure. This 13-week masterclass focuses on five key areas in your practice that can help you increase your profits. We'll guide you through creating a financial plan, which is a step overlooked by many other practices. You'll also learn how to renegotiate insurance contracts, evaluate whether cutting ties with lower payers is beneficial, and how to add cash pay services to improve your lifetime patient value. By the end of this course, you'll have improved control over your profit margins and a clear roadmap for future growth. This program is exclusively for private practice owners. You must apply to be accepted. No hops or pops practices. Click the link below to get started.